0: the lord a hand clap of praise for our praise team and for and give him one for yourself for showing up out here today in this rainy weather praise the lord well you're going to get something out of it believe me you know going to church is like going to the gym sometimes it's hard to go but you're never sad you went you just can't out god regarding anything i've been thinking about christmas a lot as all of you have Around my house, we're preparing. You know, we had our tree up before Thanksgiving. My wife works in retail, so she likes to get it done. Plus, when the kids come for Thanksgiving, it's already done, and it's it's nice. So we're enjoying the times that we have together, even though it's a very busy time. But I think about all kind of things. I think about all the precious memories of my life, as I know many of you probably do around this time, especially around this time. My mom was taken away a couple of years ago at the first of this month, and, and with my brother's passing this year, and I'm just reflecting a lot on family and, and friends and, and all the wonderful things about Christmas, all the Christmas happenings as well, you know, the sounds of Christmas, the, the songs of Christmas, the sights of Christmas, the, the food of Christmas. It all goes together. It's a big package deal, isn't it? I made Christmas cookies the other day. I was home by myself. I ate most of them by myself, but, you know, my tendency was to give them away. If some of you would have been there, I would have given them away, but I ate most of them. <laughs> the music, the the sounds are really amazing, and we saw that reflected this week as we traveled around, and, and this is the music it just touches people. You see them drawing on the memories they have of Christmases past and things like that. It's a time where, for family and friends, where we will just, we put our best forward, don't we? we? We give it our best at this time of year. We'll give like no other time of the year. There's something special about Christmas. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? I want to focus in on the joy of Christmas today from the perspective of a true believer. I know atheists would like to say that it's our selfish desire to overindulge in commercialism, But truly, for true Christians, it's because of a single event which outshines them all, isn't it? The angel proclaimed it simply, powerfully, and beautifully that night in the field. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. When he said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day a Savior. I'm telling you, those two scriptures are so profound and packed with wonderful information that it's overwhelming if you really stop and meditate and reflect on every word of them. So we exchange gifts, make cookies, we send cards out, reach out to those less fortunate, thankfully, or lonely. Not because commercialism has triumphed in our lives, no but because love and thankfulness and unselfishness have prevailed in our hearts. Something about this time of year makes us want to give of ourselves. We well up with joy and thankfulness and hope and kindness, all because of this single marvelous event. God's promised salvation, hope, and joy came to a spiritually dead and hopeless world Through a Savior. Amen,
1: Pastor.
0: (laughs) Every religion in the world, except Christianity, which isn't a religion, it's a relationship, is trying to earn salvation. You understand this? To earn the acceptance of God. To earn relationship with God. And I'm afraid that millions of those who call themselves Christians around the world are really trying to do the same thing trying to live by a certain set of standards or minimum requirements in order to earn their salvation or good standing with God. So in their minds, Christianity is reduced to a life based upon behavior modification. False. This is wrong believing and wrong teaching as it's perpetuated from the pulpit. I'll talk to you about something that... If you don't know much about me, you, you, you're going to find out that I believe that if we're going to, if there's anything being talked about in our culture, if we're learning about anything or anything is ever before us, we need to learn about it in church, What what God says about it instead of just on the news or the liberal media. I want to tell you just a few things about the Muslim faith, about Islam, in case you don't know what they believe. It's a religious system started in the 7th century, 700 years, six or 700 years after Christ was here by Muhammad. And Muslims follow the teachings of the Quran, and they do their best to keep what they call the five pillars. They believe, I'm going to tell you, when the devil came to Eve in the garden, did he just come to her and say, I'm the devil, I hate God, and I want you to get on my side and hate him too, I'm for evil, and you should be with me? No. He deceived her. He put a lot of God's truth in there and just mixed in a little bit of deception and doubt. That's how he works. So it's only natural that the devil, defeated by Christianity and all those who would believe, would create a bastardized version for himself and try to deceive people into believing this all the way to hell. And that's what he's done. They believe in one God, true enough. They believe in the angels, they believe in the prophets, all the biblical prophets even. But then they go on to include Muhammad, Jesus subservient to him, you see. Jesus only a prophet, but Jesus not the son of God and didn't get killed on the cross. God would never do that to see, Issy, Issy, or whatever they call Jesus. So they've changed some things for their own convenience. These five pillars, these tenets that compose the framework of obedience in their lives They have to profess, like we do, about this one God, Allah, and Muhammad being his prophet, and all these things. And then they have to pray five times a day. And they have to give alms. They give once a year a certain percentage. They have to fast during Ramadan. You've heard of this. And from dawn till sunset. They have to make a pilgrimage, if they can, once in their lifetime over to Saudi Arabia to a place called Mecca. Their entrance into paradise hinges on obedience to these five pillars. But their Allah, he can still reject them if he wants to. They don't know. Wouldn't you be angry (laughs) if this is all the hope you had? Do everything you can with all your strength and might. No help from a God who may or may not accept you anyway. And it's really bad for women. Not too many of them in this paradise they talk about. You see, Muhammad says that the angel Gabriel appeared to him. It was not. It was a familiar spirit of sorts, a demon, and took him into this cave. And anyway, he ministered to him. He kept coming for 23 years and told him all all these things that he wrote down in this Quran. you see. Their Bible. An evaluation of Islam. I'm just going to read this to you. Compared to Christianity, Islam has some similarities but significant differences. Like Christianity, Islam is monotheistic. However, Muslims reject the Trinity. That God has revealed himself as one in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Muslims claim that Jesus was one of the most important prophets, not God's Son. It says that Jesus was born of a virgin, but was created like Adam. (laughs) They have to really stretch some things to make it all work. They don't believe Jesus died on the cross. They don't understand why. They use their own reasoning. They don't understand why Allah would allow his prophet Issa, the Islamic word for Jesus, to die a torturous death. Without that, there's, there's no salvation, you see. Yet the Bible shows how the death of the perfect Son of God was essential to pay for the sins of believers. Without a death, there is no payment for sin. That's why all the animal sacrifices in the Old Covenant, it was picture types and shadow pointing to the one final eternal sacrifice that Jesus would make on our behalf with His precious and perfect blood and life. Muslims believe that paradise can be earned through keeping the five pillars, maybe. The Bible, in contrast, reveals that sinful man can never measure up to the holy God. Only by God's grace may sinners be saved through repentant faith in Jesus. Because of these essential differences and contradictions, Islam and Christianity cannot both be true. The Bible and Quran cannot both be God's word. The truth has eternal consequences. Beloved, this is a scripture. Do not believe every spirit from 1 John 4. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and now is already in the world. 1 John 4, 1 through 4, and John 3, 35 and 36. Can I talk to you a little bit about Christianity? (laughs) The real thing? We put our trust in a Savior. Every other religion, and like I said, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with God. Every other religion, though, puts the burden of salvation on the person's back. It's not what we do for God. It's what God did for us through Jesus Christ. I just need one more amen and I'll move on. All right. right. See, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, that condemns everybody. We're all guilty. That's what the law was there to provide to show us our guilt, to take people off of their high horse, and to make the level playing field. We're all guilty in God's eyes compared to His standard of holiness and righteousness. Why? You say, well, I've done, you know, I ask people, what makes you think you're right with God? Well, And they go to the Ten Commandments, which they know about three of them. And then they admit that they've broken those, and they still think they're okay. Why? And they'll start comparing themselves to others. Well, I'm not like this person. I'm not like the Christian who lives down the street from me. <laughs> I know what they do. It's not about that. We're all guilty in God's eyes. And if you think you've done pretty well or better than this guy over here and ju- God's judging on a curve, you're wrong. James, the brother of Jesus in James 2.10 says, For what, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. So that just takes our innocence away. But Romans 6.23, and explains the the payment for this sin. For the wages of sin is death, period. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.9 says, If we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. Now, listen, I believe... In living a holy life. And I do pretty good. Just the things, what He's delivered me from and what He's taken me to. So thankful. So thankful. And the benefits. Oh my God. Amazing. Amazing. I'm now reaping a good harvest based on sowing properly for some years now. You see? In my finances, in my health, in my work, in my ministry, in relationships, in my mental well being. All fruits of righteousness, you see, a harvest from sowing proper seed in every area of my life over time and reaping a harvest. In this life, living right reflects the nature of God in me and through me and gives me a good witness for Jesus and for his kingdom to build it up and to help others to see him and to come to know him as I have. Living holy slams the door on the devil who is always looking for an inroads into my life. A legal pathway that I would have opened up for him by agreeing with him instead of agreeing with God. God is not mocked. When I sowed corrupt seed in my former life, I was reaping a corrupted harvest of death. But now, holy living is paying dividends. God will not be outgiven. I'm being rewarded for my obedience in this life. And I believe that there will be rewards in the life to come as well. But not the reward of salvation. I can't earn my salvation. I can't earn relationship with God. That's a free gift. And it comes only through grace by faith. Remember the thief on the cross. He didn't have time to turn his life around and and to do everything right. Get his life in order. He simply believed who Jesus was. He repented and said, Lord, remember me. In Luke 23, verses 42 and 43, he was hanging there next to Jesus. One of the thieves on the other side was mocking the Lord. But this one said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Hanging there guilty and dying, this guy just says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Obviously, his repentant heart, had come to believe and simply asked the Lord for this gift. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Amen. What did that guy do to earn his salvation? Nothing. Nothing. You can't earn it. It's a gift. He's the only way, you know. That's why I wanted to tell you about that other religion that, these poor people all over the world are being deceived by. Because God loves them and Jesus paid for their sins too. But unless they change their mind. And receive the gift of salvation by faith. They, they will not be where they think they will be. God is a God of love. Jesus wasn't just a good man. He was either the Messiah. God and Savior. Or a deceiver. And I'm here to testify today. That he is as real as. And honest, standing here with me today as anyone ever has been or will be. Amen. He is the real deal. In John chapter 4, I talked about this briefly last week, but I want to read to you this passage of scripture again because the Lord just keeps it ever before me, talking about Jesus is the real deal and who he says he is. Let's look at what he told that woman at the well that day. He told her, I am Yahweh. I am he, John 4, verse 7, a woman from Samaria come to draw water. Jesus went way out of his way to go meet this woman on his way to Jerusalem to die for us. She was not a Jew. He wasn't supposed to talk to her. This day, in this passage of scripture, he let it be known that it was all inclusive. This is when he welcomed the Gentiles in by speaking to this woman of Samaria and telling her who he was. He said that it's okay for you. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Smart lady. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. (laughs) Our fathers worshiped On this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you know not. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Here we go. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. I am Yahweh. Jesus said to this woman and to you today, I am. When he said those words in the Garden of Gethsemane to all those Roman soldiers, they fell back. Those words were packed with so much power and anointing, and they fell to the ground. I am the one, he said. I am the Messiah, the giver of eternal life, of living water. Now, There is a choice to be made. For every person who lives. They'll be judged on their answer. Our choices in this life. Regarding the son of God. Jesus Christ will determine. Our eternal destiny. You either have to put your complete trust. In what he did for you. Not what you do for him. Or you have to disavow him completely. And try it your own way. And in your own strength. Like all the other false religions of the world. But. But true Christianity is more than just believing Jesus is the Son of God, that He exists. Even demons believe that and tremble. One of the most sarcastic scriptures in the Bible, again, the brother of Jesus, James, in chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, he says, you believe there's one God? Good. (laughs) Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Once we truly believe who he is and what he's done, then the obvious expectation is that we will commit our life to him. Isn't that reasonable? But some have trouble, how you say, relinquishing control in this life, thinking they're losing something, giving something up. Can I tell you, you're never going to lose anything by choosing God and His way. Romans 10, 9 says, If you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. But it's not just saying a prayer, but in following through with that heartfelt commitment that says Jesus is on the throne of my life. He's in charge now. And I'm going to embark on this life governed by By my king. My way is finished now. And his way has begun in my life. Now I'm not going to do it perfectly. But I'm willing. I'm willing. To be conformed to his likeness. By him. His way. His time. Yes I'm going to make mistakes. But God is merciful. Forgiving and compassionate. And I trust that he. Who began this good work in me. Will complete it. Carry it on until the day he returns and I see him face to face. Amen. John three three says you have to be born again. Nicodemus was a good man, it said, a religious teacher of the law. And he came to Jesus at night and said, we know you're of God. You wouldn't be able to do the things you've done. He told that good man, he said, I'll tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. Religion don't do it. Good deeds don't do it. Those are the fruit of your relationship with God, not the root. Once we're born again, the Bible tells us in John 5, 24, we've passed from death unto life. You were dead, but now you're alive. You've gone from a dead tree, an old thorn bush, to a living tree which bears fruit, and this fruit should be evident over time. Amen? Some know he's real, but knowing... God exists and even believing that Jesus is the son of God and, and admiring the things that we talk about him being able to accomplish in our lives it doesn't necessarily mean that we have committed to him as the lord of our lives and the savior of our soul. I've said many times that a lot of people like the savior part but they have trouble giving in to this lordship over their lives, you see. Not only that, but the true test is seeing yourself standing before God today. Because we'll all be there one day. And him asking you, why should you be allowed to stay here with me? Would your answer point to everything that you've done? All your good deeds and how hard you've tried? Or maybe the pitiful approach which pleads for mercy based on all the terrible things that the world has done to you? Or do you have the confidence based upon the trust the relationship you have cultivated with Jesus Christ to simply say, I am only here because of the payment my Lord Jesus has made for me. I'm here because my Lord purchased my freedom with his precious blood. It was overpayment for me and I'm here because he loves me and he died for me. Go with that answer. (laughs) If that's not your testimony, you need to get born again today. Don't leave before I can minister to you. We'll help you receive your salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is going to empower you to live the Christian life successfully. Don't try to do it in your own strength. I'm closing now. So listen. Listen. That was my first close. Listen. Listen. Why would you try to do it? Why would you try to do it in your own strength? When you have God, Not a a faraway God. One of the very names of this Christ, this Jesus, this Savior who came to the world to bring us peace within. And who represents the hope and the joy of our salvation. One One of his very names is Emmanuel. God with us. Once we have eternal life, once we've entered into this great salvation, then this relationship with God is ours as a gift. Relationship with God is the very definition of eternal life. Jesus said to the woman at the well, the time will come soon. Indeed, it has come. He's here. He is with us. He is the eternal life that lives in you. John 17, 3, he says, this is eternal life. that They know you, the one true God, and your son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Oh, what joy we have in knowing God. In having Him with us. In in being spoiled and loved by Him personally. When people around the world are deceived into believing they must do things to earn salvation. And even then it's a big maybe. That's right. They can do all the things required of them. And then they don't even know if God is going to reject them or not. What kind of God would that be? And what kind of life would that be? But we have God with us Oh, what joy. Joy provided through a Savior that came wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a humble manger. The joy of knowing our sins are forgiven. The joy of having a personal relationship with God, the Father who created us and the Savior who redeemed us as a gift based upon His merit and not our own. Simply by placing our trust in Him and placing him on the throne of our lives as Lord and Savior. Amen. King of kings and Lord of lords. Glory to God. Amen. Can you see this? The difference. The love that he has for us. We don't need to try to fill the emptiness. The thirst in our hearts with water or with other things or relationships. Which will leave us thirsty and in need of more at some point. We have Emmanuel, God with us and in us. He provides the life-giving water which will never leave us wanting or needing anything else again. Now the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy in knowing and possessing the life-giving love, forgiveness, healing, deliverance, prosperity, peace and wholeness of our Savior Jesus Christ forever. Oh, what joy we have. In knowing him, now that the Lord has come. The joy that overflows from the hearts of Christians who know that Jesus is the reason for the season. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come here and to to be taught by you regarding the things of the kingdom of God and the great gift of salvation that came through your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that you would not have sent your Son down from heaven, the King of kings and Lord of lords, to suffer and die a terrible death just to be one of the ways to heaven. No. We reject all of the works of Satan. We receive you, Lord, and your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us so much. Father, thank you for the wonderful gift of Christmas, which is Christ the King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. message today. Thank you. Absolutely. God bless you. A great great message. Very simple. You know, I like that scripture that says says, uh, the preaching of the cross is to those who believe the power of God unto salvation, but to those who are perishing, it's foolishness. And uh, it is, God chose the foolishness of preaching to compound the, water, the wisdom in this world. And it's uh, nice to